0: October 6, 2021, it's a for Pedro show. Pedro, show happy Wednesday. Start off the show with four. This is live in 1958, John Coltrane, Miles Davis. And we had shame from Matt Crafton. And because of those Estonian software engineers with their Skype invention, I have Matt Crafton with me. Well, welcome aboard, Matt.
1: Happy to be here, Matt. I'm honored.
0: Okay, I want to learn about your journey through music, brother. Please bring your earliest musical memory.
1: Yeah, uh, you know... Earliest one I, I can remember is almost like a... All right, my parents said that it's a humpback whale record. And I remember th- when I was a little kid thinking that was the coolest thing. Um, so it's more like a record memory than a music memory. It was like a journey into sound in that, in that sense, yeah, just sort I mean, of imagining what those whales...
0: But I think nature and whales, and that's music too. Maybe it ain't human music, but... <laughs> I mean, it's very important to those cats. That's how they find Oh, for their... sure. I mean, and
1: that's even, that's.
0: That's how they find their mates.
1: Yes. yes. Right. And what's more important than that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. We got them off of Pedro here. Even blues, the biggest ones in the world. But a lot of grays, a lot of right, humpback. And they come up from right. Mexico. Yeah, they migrate, right? They bring their kids up and then bring them back on the summer and the winter. And between uh, near Catalina Island, you know. Sometimes on the other side, so they stay clear of the boats, because it is dangerous. So in this pad you grew up, Matt, was there musical instruments?
1: My dad had a banjo in the attic that I ended up finding after a while, but the one that was sort of accessible to us as kids was they had this big, clunky Yamaha keyboard, which actually I still have in the next room. And me and my little brother used to like to go on it and find the alien settings. And we would just play around with these blinks and bloops and things like that. Um, And then eventually, my little brother got an electric guitar. And when everybody would leave the house, I would go play his electric guitar, record it on cassettes, and play around with the cassettes. So it was kind of learning by osmosis in that sense.
0: Whose keyboard was that? Um,
1: It was my parents'. Okay. My parents okay. had it had this big Yamaha keyboard just kind of for show in a way. Nobody ever played it, but ah. we would mess around with it.
0: Sure, you get sure, Get weird sure. sounds, yeah. And then you got a hold of your little brother's guitar, and you you, you kind of self teach yourself. Uh, what do you, what do you listen to records? Try to figure out songs.
1: Yeah, well, it was more like at that point. By the time he was playing guitar, my older had gotten me into sonic youth and uh you know like and the Minutemen men actually you know we would go see you when you come to new york um and so i was kind of interested in the more the outer edges of what sonic youth was doing so i was trying to approximate some of those feedbacks and would record them on cassettes and then try to of this really crude way of uh multi-tracking, but I had no idea how to do that. So it was two boomboxes just playing cassettes at the same time, which is actually what I do with my music these days. So it was um, a, f- a formative experience that I refined over the years.
0: Can I ask you about school? Were you in the marching band or the choir or shit like that?
1: Um, You know, it was probably fourth grade and fifth grade, maybe sixth grade too. I, I did play saxophone in the school band. Alto tenor, and I, and then I cool alto, yeah alto, which is another instrument that I still have, have, and even though I didn't retain much of the technical skills, I I still use it to produce sounds, and you know I've never I I always keep it handy because it's a I, I love I mean I love the saxophone I don't know how to play it in a traditional way but I I like the you know I like to listen to a lot of saxophone music and then I like to do whatever I can to use it in my own music, yeah.
0: Use it like as a source for sounds, right?
1: Sure, yeah. yeah. And even, even a little bit in the last couple of years, my friends uh, in Idea Fire Company knew that I had it, so I've been, tra- re- you know, and we've been trying to do this kind of self-taught horn ensemble, so I've been, without knowing exactly what I'm doing, again, play it in, a, in more of a band context, actually, for the last few years which has been fun to
0: can i ask you the
1: first myself something that i used to know as a little kid can
0: i ask you what was the first record you bought with your own money
1: first record i bought with my own money you know, i'm there's probably something before this but i was going back through the memory bank and couldn't figure it out i think i ordered a bunch of hip-hop cds from bmg music service and uh so I got like Dr. Dre and Tupac in the Far Side, and my parents took away Dr. Dre and Tupac because they had the parental advisory on the <laughs> on the uh, cover. But the the Far, the far Side it was a, when you got it in the stores they had a sticker advisory on it. But if you got it through the mail, the sticker wasn't on it. So I was able to s- scoot that one by them. Um, so yeah.
0: And what was the first gig you went and saw, Matt?
1: Oh boy, I you know that's another one I can't quite. I think the first one to be honest was Sting, and then shortly thereafter I saw the Allman Brothers band, who I liked immeasurably more than Sting. Um, but uh, yeah.
0: And what about after school? Not, still love the not Allman graduating, Brothers. but in the afternoon, did you do the basement band, the bedroom band, the garage band?
1: You know my brother my little brother and I the one whose guitar I I would abscond with he, he and I had a project that we called society of um, that was just the two of us and we I had a, a one of those plastic pumpkins that you'd take around get Halloween candy and stuff and we used that as a drum I would play the drum and sing you know sing these songs that we made up and he would play guitar and that kind of became an actual project that we. Did for years, and we made cassettes and put them in the local record store, and started playing at like high school events and things like that. We even played some gigs in the local record store. Uh, our buddy Eric let us.
0: You were playing play some a pl- shows there, so you, were playing, that was a, you were playing a plastic pumpkin.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I would st- I would I would throw I would, I would throw change and stuff in it and shake it so you, you know so it was it, if you put it up to the microphone you could make it sound pretty big like it was an actual drum kit, but it was just a plastic pump.
0: Yeah, thing. are you using a pewter or are you using a leash to talk to me? It keeps dropping out, kind of fucked up connection.
1: Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm using a, uh, I i am am can unplug this thing and see if I had.
0: No, uh, that's okay. Um, I, I was just wondering, sometimes pewter, okay. it just depends on your internet connection, you know, and and some of the words drop out so that, Right, I want everybody to get hear what you're trying to say, and so it, this band was called Society.
1: Society of Friends, like the Quakers. Society of Friends, reading, reading right? Right, absolutely. Quakers, reading,
0: See that, that word "friends" got cut yeah. out, so I didn't get to hear it. Okay, so Society of Friends, and because you, you didn't send me any Society of Friends music.
1: No, but because it's all on cassettes, I I would have digitized that stuff and find it. Mm. might be yeah.
0: interesting though
1: <laughs> but yeah I mean I, I I gave one of the tapes to Byron Coley when I first met him ah, the only thing I had
0: Byron Coley a very uh, important individual
1: yeah
0: yeah 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 you know he lived in SoCal for a while and wrote for the uh, reader I think he was the first guy to get uh, Minutemen into the reader a great cat so he actually has Society Friends Cassette
1: yeah. He has one of the one of the very first ones, yeah.
0: Then I got to ride him and, and then, see if he'll digitize it or, or let me do it. I'll do it. Fuck, I would love to hear this stuff. So, okay. uh, can you remember the first right. Society of Friends gig?
1: Yes, this would have been at a, uh, a, a sort of high school open mic situation, and we managed to. Commandeer about 20 minutes and do. You know, we had weird songs about soda and uh, movies, and we wrote songs about other kids in high school. Of course. Um, <laughs> and yeah.
0: You know, you, you, know, get, you um, gave me some music here. Stuff. Uh, you gave me this thing that you credit to yourself. It's called Untitled, but in parentheses, Split Banter. So let's listen. <laughs>
2: face so much I wear it every day. And I've come to appreciate this smile. Won't you kiss it slowly and tell me if I'm a old. Read these songs you've written on my mind.
0: Go, for Pedro. shall we start off that chunk of music with Matt Crafton, untitled, but in parentheses, split banner, like some spiel people. Then uh, from Victoria Shen, clock uh, one RPM turntables played by Bose. Uh, you know this lady uh, not only makes music, but she makes the machine. She makes the music with one one RPM. Turntable, right. okay. That's one turn a minute. <laughs> okay, that's kind of slow. And the bow, she's trying to get me to. And I'm, and I got it. I got a ebo now. I'm trying to learn how to use it because uh, I want to do some arco on the bass guitar without getting wax all over the fucking string. Gabby went after that brand new. I dare you to arrest me right now out of Oaktown, SLWCC Watt. That's uh, Sam Lock, Ward, myself, proj Iowa City, Pedro Connect. This Cottage Road. Then Moomsal and up in the City. No Way to Say Goodbye, Leonard Cohen. Uh, interpretation, one of his. Uh, excerpt, of course. Mother and Daughter. Up Around the Sun. Tim Kerr's project out of Austin. Well, he's actually in Mallorca now doing some art. Yeah, Tim Kerr's been really on the art, but he's going way back to the big boys, right? And this is Acoustic Brudge. Follow the sun. No, follow the buffalo from up on the sun. Andre Vita out of Berlin with just an image. Bomus Prendin, The Empire of Trees. Ryan James Mabe, Inner Light. Brand new for Bob Pollard, Guided by Voices, My Limited Engagement. And finally, Matt Crefton with The Masks. So, Matt, how long does the Society of Friends go?
1: oh boy i mean we it's you know it's my brother so we the band never breaks up we still talk about doing something but you know we don't really do that much music once i left the house and went to college so we probably played re- you know regularly for three four years and, and did you go to college did a for a reunion me- of sorts and uh no go ahead did you go to college for music You know I, I went to uh, to Hampshire College in Amherst Massachusetts right I, West Mass. I, I did a little bit of everything i, I, I yeah um, i wrote I, I wrote about music a lot um, and in the in our free time, me and my friends uh, with whom I formed this group Son of earth uh, we we just put on shows all the time when we weren't in class, we were booking gigs in the in the tavern. Um, which was equally as much education as uh, anything in the classroom. So
0: okay you, you gave me some sun of Earth but,
1: and that and that sort of ha- yeah
0: you gave me some sun of Earth but we ain't going to play it till the third hour. I didn't know the chronology so I thought yeah I'll put the Matt Crefton stuff first <laughs> yeah, okay. okay So how did son of Earth I don't mind you and your buddies that you went to school with how, how'd that get going?
1: Go actually one of the Aaron Rosenblum and I went to high school together, and then we both went to Hampshire together and then this other guy on on the floor I lived, John, he was John Shaw, who actually now plays with the magic markers. he uh we were all kind of into the same stuff, and we had some instruments and just started whacking on them and again we just put ourselves down for an open mic night and we so didn't know what the hell it was. And then we would just make a bunch of racket in in the room, and that kind of became more and more like a thing. And we could book ourselves shows. You know, if, if we were booking shows for other bands, we would just put ourselves on as the opener. And so we did a lot of uh, growing up in public, as as Lou Reed says. Right, I and, remember uh, that album. Just sort of learned on the stage. Yeah.
0: Not a lot of good songs yeah. on that album. But <laughs> I know that album. Yeah. My old man, right? He's got this song about his pop, right? My old man.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Look. Amazing.
0: uh, How did you know what instrument to play in Son of Earth?
1: Well, I got a hold of a guitar. It was sort of whatever was at hand, really. I mean, we would go to the thrift store even and buy uh, suitcases and bang on suitcases. We would buy... And use those as improvising instruments. We really kind of just built it from the ground up, and we had a few guitars and guitar pedals and stuff like that. And we, you know, really kind of just built our own music out of whatever we had around. Was there a bass? Um, there was a bass, actually. John yeah. Shaw had a bass okay. that he had borrowed from he had borrowed from a friend of his. Yeah.
0: Okay, I was worried. <laughs> Now nobody, yeah. you didn't play a whole uh, trap kid. It was just playing suitcases and pl- plastic pumpkins, right? Okay, because I was thinking of that lonely kick drum, but I guess you didn't. That one. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, where did you get the name "Son of Earth"?
1: Well, well God, what was this this movie called? begotten which was i forget the director's name but it was an experimental film and this is the guy and his next movie was a was kind of a big hollywood thing with willem defoe playing max freck about about the nosferatu thing but this was his first film and their director son of earth flesh on bone which was this guy who just twitched on the ground and we were watching the credits, and we thought Son of Earth, Flesh on Bone was such a f- sort of funny phrase that we called ourselves the Son of Earth, Flesh on Bone Trio, and then eventually shortened it to, to Son of Earth from okay. there.
0: Okay, so it's a cinematic reference. Right. And you're big with films?
1: Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, I love films. Before I was, I mean, that's, films is sort of what got me into music, really. Oh, really? Um was loving, yeah, um... Like, I mean, I, Eraserhead was huge for me because the sound was so weird. And, and that was also, and then they had these little Fats Waller bits. Yeah. And so I was like, uh, I like Fats Waller. And I, so I went and bought a Fats Waller record. And then I was like, oh, I like Ch- So then I went and got a Love Supreme was where I went after that. So it was like, somehow Eraserhead got me into cold, um,
0: Now that soundtrack to know, Eraserhead, was by a guy named Peter Ivers. And I met this man because he had this show, a cable access show called New Wave Theater, and the Minutemen was one of his guests. Oh, wow. And, and it was such a trip. The guy was wearing amazing. Black, he was wearing see through plastic lime green cowboy boots. He had a little, uh, <laughs> his t shirt tore up with a little thing put back with safety pins that said, is there life on Mars? And he asked Dee Boone, after we got to, we played him a few songs and then he said, okay, what's the fascist scene like in Pedro? And Dee Boone looked at him and he goes, (laughs) you've never been to Pedro. You know, it was the most bizarre situation. And the the man was horribly murdered. It was terrible. But he made that soundtrack. He also made a solo, a Peter Ivers solo record that it's kind of new wavy and it's really trippy. But, uh, yeah, really sad about him. That 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 soundtrack, I mean, a lot of white noise, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> I mean, that movie was disturbing, man. The, the the Jack Nance looked a lot like Jack Brewer from Saccharine Trust. And he was murdered terribly at a donut oh, shop. Sure. Yeah. yeah, weird things about that movie, man.
1: Yeah, it's a ma- ma- major.
0: Yeah, it was, and, and, you know, what I got out of that movie was like, no matter how clean and smooth something looks far away, you get up close enough, you're going to see the filth. You're going to see the fuck-ups. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. done.
0: And having... Everything is fine. But also yeah. a lot of be- a lot of beauty in it, too. A lot- well, that's why I was There's going to a say. A lot of beauty
1: in the movie. In the, in you got the movie.
0: yours and you got mine. Yeah, but when he's, like, fucking looking in that radiator and that <laughs> fucking mossy-ass shit.
4: <laughs> oh, my God.
0: Oh, and the little <laughs> fetus is fucking falling on the deck. And, oh, my God. That movie freaked me out. <laughs> it was intense. But, you know, I, I, I understand about the connect between movies. And, and music, and not just soundtrack-wise, but I kind of write my songs like they were little movies, going back to first minute. Right. Stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a there's a narrative aspect that I really picked up on. Uh, you know, like it, sounds tell stories, and you know, songs tell stories too, and and this is yeah, so like kind of narrative thing that's sort of like a that floats through a bunch of my music has always been important for me. And I think I got that from having film sort of being my first love of, and then that, you know, music won in the end. If Not that there's a battle going on, but yeah, they're very related for me.
0: <laughs> um, Look, we're at the end of the first hour, October 6 2021 edition. i special guest, Matt Crefton. Hold tight for hour two. October sixth, twenty twenty one. It's the second hour. Watch for Pedro show.
5: Discovered country, I can't get through. Am I doing the right thing? Did I make the right choice in you? You never hesitate, you are fearless. I'm a cemetery an illusion cobbled together deserve it.
4: You're out of my- So I'm the moving coil at the heated center of your strife. Why is everything always straight up? Like a lame in the rain and the water skin of steel The temp mind colors
3: must be
0: Not for Pedro. Shall we start off the second hour? Man in Revolt, part 1. Matt Crafton. Then Ben Salter out of Tasmania with Exit. Stark after that, Better Class 11. Maybe a Dutch band. This guy found the Master tapes for after 30 years. He's real happy to get it to me. Matt Crafton, High Hopes, Part 1. So I got two pieces of music from you here, Part 1s. They're both Part 1s. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So, you know, promising beginnings, you know? So is this like a continuation of what you were doing as a teenager with the cassette machine as like kind of a musical instrument?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially the... uh... The high hopes one—that's a record I actually did for uh, Bill Bill Nace's label, Open Mouth—and um, that, that's that's just me with two tape machines, varying you know yeah. varying sources. Um, and that's that one's live. That's my tapes live. Um, you need at a and did. the other one, Man in Revolt, at a what? A gig live. Performance, live and oh, oh no, it's, not at a, it's, it's a live. It's a live performance that's just captured in the moment. There's no no overdubs. overdubs okay, okay, Post-production. Like just two, yeah, two sessions. Okay, Gotcha.
0: And and what were you going to say about Man in Revolt?
1: Oh, that one is actually me playing. I was house sitting for Bryn, Colton, and Lily Dwight, and recorded on their piano for hours and that's another cassette that I there's one overdub on that thing but um, you know recording with some tape hiss as far as I remember it's a long time ago
0: yeah and what is your connect with Bill how did you first meet Bill Nace
1: Bill I met and I moved up here in 99 western Massachusetts um Quickly, with a you know a bunch of like-minded people, I probably didn't meet Bill until 2000. But you know, there's a pretty fertile community here of people who make all kinds of off-the-wall music, and that was a really potent time too. So, I, in quick succession, I met Chris Corsano, Byron and Lili, Kim and Thurston, Bill, John Trzynski, um, Matt. J. Those J. are dudes that
0: have the- on, just been on the show.
1: <laughs> yeah, right.
0: <laughs> That's great. So you guys, right away, you met this like circle of cats. Very fortunate, right?
1: Yeah, it was an amazing time. I mean, I really felt lucky. I, st- I mean, I'm still here, 22 years later. I didn't leave the area because it was my my people are here. You know. Um, and- you know, the Scott Faust and Carla Berecki from Idea Fire Company were really good friends of mine and been playing with them for years. Um you know, Michael Aylers is still here doing Aramite records, and so we saw amazing free jazz shows before I even knew you know knew where I was. I knew knew Unburn guys were always around, Sunburn hit hey, the man. John Maloney. Um yeah, Matt Valentine. Yep, John and I were roommates. Um, And Rob, yeah, I mean, Valentine and Erica Elder were here. It's a a very uh, dreadful, Dan Iredon and Pat Iredon. You know, the list goes on and on. Okay, you gave me some music here. um, You You gave me some music here, a
0: collaboration with Arlana Flynn called Girl. I want to play that, okay? for Pedro Show. Sure. That chunk of music started off with Matt Crefton, Orlando Flynn doing Girl. Then the Ophelias, brand new. From them, Sacrificial Lamb, Headboggle from his new album, Dobro Especial. Actually, this is the record before, but he does have a new album. <laughs> Fucked up what? And then another collab, but this time he puts Rick Myers first. Rick Myers and Matt Crefton with Untitled. Tell
1: me about both these collaborations, Matt. Sure. Um, The first one with Olana was pretty recent. That um, my friend Dennis Typhus was doing an art show. He wanted to have a jukebox full of Beatles covers. So he sent out a call to hundreds of people, asked Olana. Olana's a a dancer and a, a and choreographer who also does music um and is is my significant other as well but we recorded uh the song girl using the beatles song girl using keyboards and <laughs> garden tools of course um, and we sent that in <laughs> yeah, right and, and that was it so that was in hundreds of beatles covers in antwerp uh um, in this gallery, and the one with uh, the one with Rick is a LP that just came out. Uh, we we used an old uh, turntable that belonged to my grandmother and has a sort of music box function. And Rick's mostly a conceptual visual artist, but uh, we you know he's done sound and writing as well. So that's me and him in his uh, in his studio mess disc and box playing some cassettes along with it as well you know, in real time
0: okay and uh it was just little, beyond having a title i mean what, you when, know
1: every other track on that record has a title and and i and i sent you the one without a title
0: yeah but how important are titles to you Matt
1: they're more important than it was in the uh, theme from all the untitled things that i have here i really (laughs) like i like matching them up (laughs) i like trying to match up words with with what they remind me of um and if they don't get a title they don't remind you you of anything no it's not it's more like they're the ones that, that stay totally mysterious sometimes i guess
0: yeah, they're music. There's right? no bringing them like either. if you wanted words, you would use the words. Right. You wouldn't use music. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Yes, yeah, that's Me, that's, me that. and D. Boone had this joke about going into art gallery and the description of the painting is like 10 times bigger than the painting. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: exactly. It, it us that that first Wire record, Pink Flag, you know, the way they put their words out like that. That's what it reminded us of. And so we tried oh, to yeah. do the, the same thing with the yeah. uh, the punchline. And so Georgie, to make the painting, he gets a clock, an econo-electric alarm clock, and breaks it up and then puts spray paint over it. So that's us Minutemen right, trying huh? to be artistic. Right. Yeah. Actually, Dee Boone was a painter because the cover of that punchline, it was actually like fucking, I don't know, Eight feet by six foot. It was huge. And I go, damn, we're going to lose something if we shrink this down. He says, don't worry. And he gets a knife. He puts a record cover up there, and he traces the knife. He goes, this looks like the most interesting part anyway. And he cuts his big square out. And that ended up the cover. And I think uh, I was supposed to be the yellow color. Uh, Georgie was the blue color, and he was the red color. He says, this is an abstract version of the Minuteman.
1: <laughs> Amazing.
0: <laughs> I don't think I ever told it. Maybe I told somebody that before. But yeah, that was actually, it's a one foot square patch out of a six by eight fucking huge ass painting he did. that was uh, some kind of... Holy he was, shit. He said he was trying to uh, uh, make a painting that had uh, had the feeling of struggle.
1: <laughs> right.
0: And because the punchline actually came from a, a a cartoon from Raymond Pettibone. Yeah, where he had some... Uh, oh, whoa, okay. Yeah, he had some skeleton acting like he was a stand-up comic. And it said, death is the real punchline. And so what <laughs> I did, I took a picture of some Soviet and U.S. soldiers shaking hands near the end of the Second World War. And I put punchline... <laughs> Raymond has taught me so much, <laughs> D Boone, Georgie. You know, I'm I'm really a, a product of the cats I was with. So that's, you know, you know what I mean. Like you, you like to surround yourself with creative people, right? That's, oh yeah, yeah, I was very sure. lucky yeah, for that. Year. Yeah, very very lucky. You know, when you think about stuff like that, uh, you you wonder what you would have been like, man, alone, right? Because even when I made that solo record in '95, there was forty eight other dudes on that record. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> Look, we're at the end of the second hour. A million people six... in it. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Kathleen Hannah. October 6, 2021, of Walk Peters, a special guest, Matt Crafton. Hold tight for hour three. Okay. October 6, 2021, it's the third hour of the watch from Peters, you know. show we start off the third hour and here's that group matt was enlightening us to him beginning when he moved out to west mass son of earth with incorrect posture beautiful title <laughs> babes new york city worst band name ever but tune's okay people don't want to be and then again son of earth al's victor speech vector speech Vector people like mosquitoes, right? Bringing in all that malaria. I heard of malaria vaccines coming out. You know, now there's a chance for oh, yeah? anti-vaxxers to get that shit, too. <laughs> right. Malaria <laughs> killed a lot of cats. Uh, da- Dante, right? Dante Alighieri died of uh, malaria. I think uh, Caravaggio. Caravaggio. Crazy motherfucker, but could fucking pain, huh? Little boy, boy. getting bit by a lizard. What a fucking trippy painting. Yeah. Pain. yeah. Salome and all that shit. Uh, something uh, he knew how to use light technique. Do you you know? Uh, you listen to other cats that make uh, music with cassettes and stuff like that. Uh, any anybody been an inspiration to you, Matt?
1: You know, um, I, when I when I first heard uh, Alvin Lucier's piece, I am sitting in a room. I say his I name again. He's really his name technique. dropped
0: out. His name he dropped out. Say his name again.
1: Okay. Uh, Al yeah, Alvin Lucier. Alvin um, Lucier. I got it now. A, He's yeah. Used to teach at Wesleyan, but um. Did you did know a famous him per- fe- yeah, sort of feedback I, piece called that? I- did you know him personally? No, no, no. I saw him speak once, but mostly it was just this record and realizing that it was very similar to what i had been doing in my bedroom and kind of gave me the, as a technique um feeding cassettes into one another as, as as you know feedback agents um did you know i was about... a big fan too of uh willie william burroughs tape cut-ups uh, sure sure love sure. those were you aware al margolis yeah. and his uh, like cassette kind of network uh, I am now, but not when I not when I started doing this stuff. No, he ain't too far away.
0: He's in Chester, New York. Yeah, and and, and this was like yeah, have, this uh, was kind of an '80s thing, and then in the '90s he went into like a CD, yeah. P- Pogue, Pog, something Pogum or something. But but I, I'm just learning about this yep. stuff too. I didn't know about it in the moment, but uh, obviously because a lot of these artists, this, this was the main way of connecting. It's, pre, it's pre-internet. Right. And uh, the way we used cassettes... Yeah, for sure. The way we used cassettes was to turn each other onto, you know, records. There wasn't a lot of these records around, right, of uh, a punk movement and stuff. And so that's how we knew. We didn't really think of them as being their own kind of medium, you know, a way of doing music. We did stumble onto that, and uh, me and Dee Boone... Had a label called New Alliance, and we put out two compilations where the songs had to come off a of cassette, but they weren't made with cassette. That was just the medium. They were One was called Mighty Feeble, and one was called Feeble Efforts. Yeah. You might be aware of them.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So in a way, you were just man alone. So later on, you you found out about this stuff.
1: Yeah, and it was and you know, and then, then you know, I found out about it pretty young. I was in my early twenties, but you know by then I developed some of these practices and it was good to hear that it that it had a history and that I could learn new you know, a bunch of new stuff I didn't know before. You know, there's all kinds of there's still records heard that are, you know, mind blowing weird weird ass things. Um that I'm still finding. So yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. And now we know about Byron Coley knows about every fucking record that's ever been pressed. <laughs> Incredible knowledge, that oh man.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. I, um, I, le-
1: I learned it from him. him and, and, yeah, yeah.
0: You gave me this stuff called Dead Girls Party. Ah. What's that about?
1: I did. Yeah. uh that is me that's another guy another guy that i learned a ton from is uh this fellow scott faust who lives in who lives in amherst he and his wife carla barecki and i started going over there in out of 2001 i think I became friends and every record that byron might not know knows amazing it's just education and, and he and i ended up doing this project together um that girl party where i played keyboards and, and sort of sang and scott played guitar and we did some you know some overdubs and stuff but that's that's the story with this one i'm i'm doing singing and
0: okay let's Scott's listen to the, guitar. The, the things i've thrown away What you me. For Pedro's Pedro Show. Last music for this edition. Start that chunk off. A dead girl's party. The things are thrown away. Then I.D. Du Femelle, The portrait of a vagabond. I think this is from a cassette uh, recorded in the 80s in kind of uh, Spain. I think it's Spain. Uh, kind of underground scene. And then finally, deliver the future from the believers. What's the believers about, Matt?
1: Man, all right. So the the believers it's appropriate that this comes last. That was I played bass in that band. Yes. Um, <laughs> and that was that was a it was a college project with uh, me, my friend John Shaw and son of. Uh, John's now a wife, Anna, playing drums, and um, our friend Jesse was a singer. And the idea there was that we had to do, all of us had to play instruments that we didn't know how to play, but we had to try as hard as we could. And we, you know, the idea wasn't to be a crap, but we also didn't know what we were doing. So that's, that's kind of how that happened.
0: Like you built in the naive quotient.
1: Right, because it was, you know, that's the kind of thing people can manufacture a little, you know, easily sometimes comes off as trite and as possible. Um, And that was our, it was, you know, I I love that band. It went for five or six, I don't know, even that long, maybe just four years. But uh, we took it really seriously and then it kind of burnt itself out. But when it was good, it was good, I think. So you played bass for five, six years? Yeah, in there. You know, it's totally self taught. We would, uh, we would, I would, he played guitar and we would try to come up with riffs together that sounded okay, even though we didn't really know what we were doing. And, you know, use, kept it. We still don't know what to call any of the notes, but we figured out how we could play together um, and turned it into a rock band. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, It's sound coming out of the speakers. You don't know how it's made. (laughs) I'm talking about the listener, right? Yeah. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Now, Matt, you said you wrote about music. Do you see a connection between writing music and making music?
1: Oh, boy. I think there's a... When I write about it, I try to listen really hard. So I think it comes down to listening. You know, and I think that that... That's that's a core component of, of both. I don't know that anything like comes out in the way that I make music. Although I, it got there's got to be out there. It's probably below the surface of my consciousness. But um, yeah, I mean, it, they both teach you to listen, which is an important skill.
0: Absolute, absolute. If you're going to make sound, you better listen. Learn to listen to sound.
1: And what's your next plan musically? Yeah, well, and musically, um, I got some. I've actually got some DJ gigs coming up, but that's just sort of local stuff. And uh, I'm working on. Oh, you know what, Bill? I have a duo record. Me and Bill Nace have a duo record in the can that's coming out. Um, can you and, want to tell us about it? And, what, what's it looking yeah. like? Sure. Yeah. Sure. We. Uh, Again, I'm using cassettes, and Bill's using his guitar and, and his pedals. But we based off uh, based off of Bill's guitar, and basically we just run these loops into the ground or into the stratosphere, I guess. However, you want to, <laughs> You say Bill to goes
0: first, and then you
1: react to what um, he brings you. A little bit. I did this one. Bill made some sounds and looped them, and then I took those and looped those, and then we played them. You know, we played them together. So. Uh-huh interesting it's a it's a little bit like a game of chess
0: yeah
1: and how soon early next year is what they're they're telling us you know pre- pressing oh uh, yeah the pressing, pressing plants are backed up, up i guess
0: yeah yeah but, it's like uh, the the head on yeah. the enterprise with Scotty, you know he tried using the photon plunger but <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's backed up into the warp drives <laughs> You know what yep. did they find sure. speaking of that show, what did they find in the Captain's Head?
1: Man, damn to find them.
0: The Captain's Log Ah <laughs> <laughs> Got you, man. <laughs> it's been a big honor. Look, when you guys get this album out, why don't you and Bill Good. both why don't you and Bill both come on the show and we'll play the whole thing and talk about
1: it? Oh, oh it sounds great. Hey, That'd love-
0: Abby, beautiful. And a big honor to have you aboard, yeah. Matt. Thank you so much. Keep on keeping on, please, brother. No. Okay, All people, right, we'll it's do. been October 6, 2021 edition of Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.